We're in this series called Playlist. And I love that, taking music that we grew up with, music that we love, and find a spiritual meaning. And I have to tell you, this has been one of the hallmarks of my ministry. I've been doing this for 37 years. And honestly, in the, we have this amazing group of musicians that can play anything you can ever imagine. They can do it. But back in the day, and Debbie will remember, uh, Tony will remember, I would bring out a boombox with a cassette tape and put the mic up to the boombox to hear the song. It's a whole lot more fun this way. But anyway, I think we need to be aware of the messages of God all around us, particularly the music that we grew up with, the music that we love. I have to tell you, I love to sing, but I can't sing a lick. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I'm flat, and as I've gotten older, I sound like an old bullfrog croaking. <clears throat> I am terrible. And beyond not being able to sing, it doesn't stop me from singing. So at the top of my lungs, I will just belt it out. But even more than that, I have some really annoying habits. One of them is I can't always hear the words that I'm singing, so it doesn't bother me to sing the wrong words. I grew up in the 1970s, and I couldn't understand half the words of the songs that I liked. So I would do the best I could and would just make them up. Todd has gone to hear, poor Debbie will tell you, my rendition of the Jackson 5 is horrible, and I get maybe one out of 10 words right. And I, I just always think back to Todd's sons, Caleb and Ford. One of their favorite moments of Christmas is my rendition of Feliz Navidad, which is horrible. But anyway, not knowing the words doesn't keep me from singing with gusto. The other habit I've had, I know the writers had an intent when they write a song. But all my life, I've had this habit of hearing songs that I like and singing them to God. And there's almost a spiritual meaning in so much of the music that we grew up with. In fact, James Taylor, half of his songs are in my personal hymn book. And when I sing those songs, I'm singing them to God. And I think it's a beautiful thing that we do this to be aware of God's presence that's all around us. In fact, Todd reminds us, his favorite church father, Clement of Alexandria, said something really profound when he said, all truth is God's truth. And that is to be aware of God's presence that is everywhere. Remember what the psalmist said, the earth is the Lord's and all the fullness thereof. I don't like that word secular because everything is God's. Everything can point us to God. There are sermons everywhere. If we would just open our hearts and experience. So that's what we're talking about in this series of playlists. Now we did things differently this year. Through the years we've picked songs and we built a sermon around them. This year we wanted our congregation to participate. So you remember we divided the music into four categories with four choices each and we let the congregation vote. And once the votes were in, we built sermons around the songs that the congregation chose. So this week we were in the country section and runaway winner that we just heard was always on my mind. Received over 50% of the votes. And I think it's just important that that happened because as you dive into that song, certainly the writers were thinking of human breakups. And Elvis recorded it after he left Priscilla. 
but it became really famous with Willie Nelson. From the very beginning, when I've heard that on the radio, I always sang it to God. There's a deep meaning when we think, Lord, you're always on my mind. It changes everything about how we understand life and faith. So I want us to think about that as we do. Those that leave the Christian life, there are two basic approaches that people approach Christianity with. And the first one is this, they believe in the God of religion, or the second is we know the God of relationship. And I want us to understand the difference. To believe in the God of religion means we know a lot about God. We read articles, we read books, we can discuss God, we can philosophize, we can talk, we can debate, we can have all kinds of conversations about God. We kind of believe in God like we believe in gravity. It's a concept that we hold and we can talk about and we can discuss and when we follow this belief in religion, we tend to have a little God box that we put God in and we bring it out at appropriate God times, but other times we leave God in that box. And we have other little boxes. We have work box, and we have family box, and we have a play box. But life is compartmentalized when our faith is we believe in the God of religion. Second is when we know the God of relationship, where we know God in a personal, intimate way through Jesus Christ, that God literally is a presence with us who walks with us and talks with us every single day where literally the Lord is the air that we breathe. This was how Jesus understood God. God was an ever-present reality in his life. Wherever we went, whatever people he encountered, God was a part of that. Literally, he told us we're living in the kingdom of God all around us and all of life, and our job is to see what God's up to and to be a part of God's purposes and, and mission in life. That's the God of relationship. And I submit to you, that's the way you and I are called to live a life of faith, not just to believe facts about God, but to know the Lord in an intimate, personal way. And we see that in our scripture lesson for today. We're going to read Psalm 1. And this is one of those passages that is so rich, and I don't want us to experience it just with our heads, but with our hearts. So everybody, take a deep breath. Let's shake our shoulders a bit. And let's share together the Word of God from Psalm 1. Hear the Word of the Lord. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law they meditate day and night. They're like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." I love that because what is the psalmist saying? In life we have two approaches, life with God and life without God. And if we choose life with God, verse 3 says, this is what life is going to be like. Look at this picture. 
Let's focus on this picture, this beautiful side. If we choose life with God, we will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Our roots will go deep down into that living water and will enable us to yield fruit in its season, and our leaves will not wither, and all that we do, we prosper. That's life with God, living with the living water, giving us fuel and energy. But how do we do that? Verse 2. His del their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law they meditate day and night. Our delight is in the Lord, and we meditate on Him day and night. Or how did Willie Nelson put it? How do you restate verse 2? Lord, you're always on my mind, day and night, in every circumstance that we face. You know the old story about the Scottish gentleman. He was getting up in advanced years. In fact, his health was in decline. And his daughter, where he was staying, called the pastor to come visit. So the pastor came to see the gentleman, and they were talking. And he noticed something a little strange. Beside his bed was an empty chair. He had pulled right up to the bed. And as they were talking, the pastor kept looking at the bed. And the man noticed. Finally, he said, Pastor, I, I see you're looking at that chair. Let me tell you the story. Years ago, I was really having a hard time with prayer. I couldn't seem to connect with God. I couldn't make it work. So I reached out to my pastor and I shared with him my problem. And my pastor gave me the most wonderful advice that changed my life. The pastor said, you're going at it wrong. You don't have to kneel and use fancy language to pray. He said, what you need to do is go and sit down in a chair, pull an empty chair up right in front of you, and imagine that God is sitting in that chair and just talk to him like you would a beloved, trusted friend. And the man said, I did that years ago and it changed everything about my life. Well, the pastor left and a couple of days later, the daughter called and shared that her dad had died peacefully. And then she said, you know, when we discovered his body, we discovered something really strange. His hand was reached out to that empty chair by his bed. We, we don't understand. We don't, we, don't, we don't know why that is. And the pastor said, I understand completely. Because he was reaching out to his best friend that was always on his mind. You see that that old Scotsman had, had figured something out. He'd figured out a, a beautiful, practical, concrete way of remembering God in his everyday life, a concrete way of remembering God, of keeping God always on his mind. And, and friends, we got to do the, the exact same thing to come up with some way, to create some way, to find some way, to, to make some way, some, some plan, uh, a practice, a prayer, maybe, maybe, maybe just a bracelet, some way to keep us mindful, thoughtful, to keep us in God's presence, to keep God always on our mind, to keep us, what's, what's the psalmist word? I love it, a delight. 
to keep us delighting in the constant presence of our God, a God who will never leave us or forsake us, to delight in the Lord. Otherwise, we, just, just like Willie just had to, we're going to have to confess, but our confession will be to the Lord God Almighty. We will have to confess, God, if I made you feel second best, I'm sorry. I was blind. 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 I, I wonder how many of us this morning would be brave enough. I wonder how many of us this morning would be, would be honest enough to admit that, yes, we've, we've kind of let ourselves go blind. We've, we've let ourselves go blind with, with, with a spiritual blindness. And if so, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus because, because we serve a Savior who loved to open the eyes of the blind. If so, we've got a God who loved to open the ears of the deaf. And it wasn't just back then. God still loves to do it. God still loves to, to work those sort of miracles. Amen. We just got to let them. Because this sort of mindfulness, this, this sort of deep soulfulness, friends, it's, it's going to take a miracle. But mercifully, Jesus still wants to open our ears. I mean, if we really want to do this, if we really want to remember, if we want God on our mind at all times, in our every day, if we want to be mindful like this, we, we're going to have to start listening. It means we're going to have to start listening to God, and we're going to have to start listening for God. In our times of worship, in our times of prayer, in our times of Bible study and Bible reading, yes, absolutely, but not just then, not just there, there in those, those holy, religious, set-apart sorts of times. In fact, there's a sneaky thing that those times have a tendency to do. They have a tendency to, to get us trapped back inside us. Those set-apart times, they, they have a, a sneaky little way of getting us all wrapped up in, in us and what we can do and what we can figure out and what we can hear. And guys, it's got to be bigger than that. Friends, it's got to be bigger. It's got to be bigger than us. Which means we've got to leave room. It means we've got to leave space for the Holy Spirit. For the, the power of the Holy Spirit to work, for the power of the Holy Spirit to move, for the power of, of the Holy Spirit to speak, for the Spirit to do for us what we can't possibly do for ourselves, which, which means it, it's going to require us know, cultivating a, an appreciation for cultivating space for and time for silence. Silence. And y'all, silence is hard. In fact, in, in, in our noisy, clamoring world, I submit to us that silence is amongst the hardest things that we'll ever try to create. And it's necessary. It's necessary if we ever truly want to hear silence. Letting the Spirit speak like, like Elijah, like Elijah in the still small voice, putting ourselves in a position to hear. 
to hear what the silence has to say. Because I'm not talking about this, all right? <laughs> I'm not talking about this manufactured, hey, we're going to get better at listening sort of thing. In the days after World War I, but in the days before World War II and the time before radar was invented, this was the way that, that, this was the way that, that, that armies listened for approaching aircraft. Big old earphones. Big old earphones training ears of flesh to listen for machines of steel. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not tra- talking about training our human ears to hear. I'm talking about training our immortal souls to listen. Training our souls to listen for that unmistakable, unavoidable voice of God. The voice that, that won't be heard over, over the noise, that won't be heard over the noise of, of the life around us, that won't be heard above the noise of the noise within us. It means we have to learn to quiet ourselves and to trust. To trust that God is present, to, to trust that God is at work, that God is, is doing something, that God is saying something, even in those times that maybe we can't hear it, maybe we can't see it, to trust. To trust even here, these, these trees that the psalmist talk about, to, to trust that they grew. They grew in silence, but they grew nonetheless. Trust, because I'm just going to put it bluntly for us this morning. You see, I'm convinced that, that God delights more in talking to us than we do in listening to Him. And it's such a loss, it's, it's scary and it's sad because if we, if we would just try If we would just try to listen, if we would just try to hear, we would be amazed. We'd be amazed, not just at what we hear, but at what we don't. No shame, no guilt, no judgment, no condemnation. Just a holy invitation to turn and to be healed, to repent, to change. Not in order for us to be loved, but because we're already loved, if we would just give it a chance. We'd be amazed. We'd be amazed, not just what we hear, but but at who we become, because any experience of God, any real experience of God, it's bound to change us. It's bound to make us better. Any real experience of God, it's going to lead us on towards humility. It's going to lead us on towards gratitude, because it's not just our ears that the Lord wants to open. Jesus still wants to open our eyes, too. Because let's face it, a lot of us, we're just sleepwalking. We're just bumbling through this life, going from one thing to the next, preferring the ease of religion to the real hardship, to the real demands, the expectations of a relationship. So we're just going around. We're going around buying things that, that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that really we don't like. <laughs> Blithely unaware blithely unaware to the presence of God all around us, blithely unaware to to the everyday miracles all around us. And God wants us to see, and He wants us to savor, and He wants us to delight, and He wants us to give thanks. 
Because gratitude, maybe more than anything else, gratitude opens our eyes, our blind eyes. Gratitude opens our eyes to the power and the presence and the love and the mercy and the goodness, the very nature of God, even in the little things, especially in the little things. See, it trains us to be mindful, gratitude does. It trains us to be mindful because it trains us to see differently, gratitude. Walter uh, Elias was born in the city, but whenever he was still just a, a young boy, his parents moved to the country and, and Walter loved it. Walter loved getting to grow up on the farm because amongst other things, that meant that he had a, a whole lot more time to spend in his wonderful world of, of make-believe. But as he was growing up, uh, one day, one, one day in, the, in the middle of the summer, he decided to go exploring, Walter did. He ended up walking further away from home than he had ever been. He, his exploring took him all the way over to the apple field, the, the apple orchard, way on the other side of, of all of his family's fields. And whenever Walter Elias got there, he just stopped. He, he stopped stunned looking at what he was looking at. Because for the, for the very first time in his life, he saw an owl, a real live, honest to goodness owl. Walter just stood there and watched this owl sitting, just, sitting there on one of the, the limbs of one of the apple trees. As he stood there and as he watched, a, an idea began to percolate in his, his brilliant young brain. He started to think, ah, oh, man, that owl, that, that owl would make an excellent pet. <laughs> and so he made his plans, he made his mind up. He was gonna go up and he was gonna capture that owl and he was gonna take it back to the farmhouse. And, and so he put his plan into motion, slowly, sneakily, he, he sneaked up on that bird. He, he didn't make too much noise. He didn't want to startle it. He didn't want to wake it up. Walter Elias made his way to that bird. And when he got underneath it, he reached up and he grabbed that owl by its legs and that bird woke up. That bird came to life and it started flapping and it started flopping and it started screeching. And, and, and Walter, Walter, young Walter didn't know what to do. He panicked. So he did the only thing he knew to do. Walter took that bird and he threw it down on the ground. He threw it, he threw it down hard. Too hard. And the beautiful bird suddenly stopped its fight. It, uh, it had died. And young Walter began to cry and he ran back to the safety of his home and he tried to forget any of that that, that had ever happened, but he couldn't, he couldn't forget. And in fact, for days after weeks, after years, after he dreamt of that owl, even into his adulthood, even to his adulthood, he, he took that day, that, that midsummer afternoon day, he took it with him, that moment. It, it affected his life forever, but it taught him. That moment, for as horrible as it was, it taught him. And it changed him and, and it softened him. For as horrible as that moment was, it, it inspired him. It, inspired Walter Elias. It inspired him, in fact, to the point that a lot of people say that, that he would go on to set all the animals free. Because Walter Elias would grow up to be a, a person, would grow up to be a name that I reckon most of us recognize, Walter Elias Disney. I mean, have you, have you, ever, not, have you ever noticed how many owls Walt Disney brought to life? 
life from death, beauty from ashes. It is the very promise of the gospel. And it's the promise of gratitude too. This power, this extraordinary power that has the ability to take even our very worst moments and to bring forth from them something, something great. The, Amen. the power of hope, the miracle of hope, the miracle of healing, the miracle of resurrection. Jesus wants to, to open our eyes and and he wants to open our ears and he wants to open our hearts so that he's always on our minds, friends. As we pray. Um, Lord, this morning we, we come to you with the audacity of your children and, and God, we're asking for a miracle. Like you did so many years ago, Lord, we're needing a miracle. God, that you would open our eyes. God, that you would open our ears. Lord, help us to see. To see how you see, to see what you see in us and in the world around us, Lord. Give us ears that hear. That hear your good news, Lord. Your good counsel. Your good conviction, your good comfort, Lord, the good news of your mercy and grace and redemption and love, the plan that you have for each and every one of us. Give us those eyes, those ears, God, that see opportunities to share your light in the darkness around us. Lord, we, we know we're blind. And we know that we've made you feel like second best. And some days that's on, that, sometimes that's on a good day. Forgive us, God. And set us on a new course, one that honors you, one that loves you, one that makes you known, one, Lord, where you are always on our mind. Come to us, Lord. Take us and change us and use us. Lord, use us all and only for the glory of your name, because it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.